Trigger warning. This episode contains subject matter pertaining to conversion and anti-gay therapy. I hope I can convey two things to the city of Richmond with my words today. One, conversion therapy causes great harm to our community. And two, nobody should ever have to go through therapy because of therapy. Why be afraid if I'm not alone? Life is never easy, the rest is unknown. And up to now for me it's been hands against stone. each and every Welcome to um, our first episode of Pride Month <laughs> of <laughs> RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Yeah, yeah. Yay. We always say that our episodes are special, right? But this one is is super special and um, I'm really excited uh, to do this because we're, we're talking about a topic that we don't have any experience with whatsoever, but um, it's just, it's such an important topic to talk about and I'm not going to let us get into it. I think that uh, our guests are experts here. Yes. Yes, really and we're going to pass the mic. That's we're going to pass the mic, yeah. That's what it, you do when you're not the expert. You pass the mic to the experts, and that's how these stories and these experiences get loved and get shared and can help the next person. So it's all on you, baby. Here we go. So we're going to let Adam go first and introduce yourself however you want. Add your own titles, <laughs> pronouns, everything. Let us know who you are. Hey, y'all. My name is Adam Tremor. He, him pronouns. Uh, My full-time job, I work in customer service at the credit union. And outside of that, I try to help uh, the world become a better place for people like me who have shared experiences like my own. And I have done so with the support of multiple amazing organizations. I was the Virginia ambassador for Born Perfect, the campaign to end conversion therapy uh, from 2019 to 2020, um, towards the end of the uh, legislative period until the bill actually passed, which we'll talk about. (laughs) And I currently work in volunteer spaces focused on survivor support with CT survivors as well as with a little group here in Virginia that I'll also talk about later called Love Actually One. And I'm also on the boards of Listen Richmond and Tri-Cities Pride. That's me. Yes. So much going on there. So many good things going on. And I'm an expert spades player. Oh, (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, I might have to talk to you about that because we're going to have a little space tournament coming up. I missed the last one. Yes, we're, yeah. And I needed a partner, and that's why I didn't go. 
because I don't just trust anybody. So we might have to see those hands. I am your most reliable <laughs> nil, promise you. <laughs> Got it. And April, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is April Prentice. Um, I've been active in the Richmond activist community for over a decade now, I guess, working on all kinds of LGBTQ plus causes. I work with LGBTQ plus uh, youth. Um, I'm a teacher. I'm a PhD student. Um, and I have been, um, I, I'm a writer as well. And um, yeah, I've been been fighting conversion therapy and advocating for its ban for, for many years. I work primarily with um, an organization called the Alliance for Progressive Virginia. Um, and Adam has done some work with them as well. And they're fantastic organizations. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. These two are clearly friends too. Um, I know we're going to be airing this without, you know, uh, visuals, but uh, I'm really excited about your dynamic, the vibe you guys uh, give off of each other is so wonderful and loving and playful. And I just, I'm just loving it. Needed to see something like that today. Can I say something <laughs> about that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, April is amazing. Um, you know, through fighting conversion therapy, I was speaking at five different boards as well as, you know, the two different legislative bodies. And every time April was reaching out and was like, hey, this is amazing, but what are you doing to take care of yourself? And, you know, I really needed that. And, you know, yeah. she's just an incredible force with that. And I'm so grateful to know you, April. I just wanted to say that. Well, I think you're amazing. The work that you've been doing out front has been, in the last few years has been absolutely mind-blowing. And it's been, I just wanted to make sure that you were taking care of yourself, which is incredibly important in this work. Thank you. Yeah. I love that because that's the part that always gets skipped, right? Mm -hmm. Checking on each other. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's so important. We're talking about conversion therapy. I'm hoping that our listeners know what it is, but can you explain it to our listeners just for clarification? Sure. So think about conversion therapy as an effort to change who someone is. So when I work with kids, I give them a giant block letter I. I do this as a camp counselor for Diversity Camp way out in Southwest Virginia. And I give them that giant block letter I for identity. And the meaning behind that is they write in it draw in it, color in it, what is your identity? And the second part to that is the first letter of identity is I, which means nobody can take that away from you and it belongs to you. And so conversion therapy is essentially somebody trying to take away someone's identity. And that may be their sexual orientation or their gender identity or their gender expression. It's essentially trying to take somebody down this rabbit hole to make them believe that something's wrong with them. April, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would say um, it most often, but not always, occurs within a religious context. Um, and that the, the religious belief and ideology is what underlies um, a lot of the efforts to try to tr change those three things. Um, and we're here to talk to you about uh, how you can get in the fight. And we're here to talk to you about how, how damaging it, it truly is um, and just help you understand. We're just going to let you guys lead right into this because it's super important that we not control this narrative. So we told our listeners about what conversion therapy is. Maybe let's start from, and either one of you can, can start, it doesn't matter. 
what the work has been and where it kind of started and maybe where you started in it to get us to where we are now. And it's, it's your show. Sure. So I will say that when I experienced what I experienced, these different forms of conversion therapy, uh, it was a lot. It, there was a pastoral counselor involved. There was an actual therapist. There was uh, ministries as well as conferences and small support group enrichment. Like there was a lot going on. Um, I didn't think that story was going to amount to anything when I left. You know, I really didn't know that it was part of a larger narrative. And when I discovered what conversion therapy was, uh, 2016, I believe, I realized that my story was part of a larger conversation. I think that's where it starts, where it started for me, for sure, is realizing that there are other people like me. There are other people who have experienced what I've experienced. And when I realized that there were other people like me, and then I realized that I didn't feel heard or understood for so many years, that's what motivated me to want to make a difference because I could immediately relate to anybody who was coming out of these environments and not knowing what to do because uh, in 2008, that was me. Conversion therapy broke my identity down to nothing. And it took me eight years before I finally sought healing through real affirmative counseling to heal from these flashbacks, painful memories, and trauma. It took so long because not only did I still have that shame, but I did not trust the mental health community anymore. You know, I was that person who had gone out of all of these counseling sessions, pastoral meetings, all of that, and having absolutely no idea what to do. And it felt so isolating. And so to know that my experiences are part of a larger picture that so many other people go through this, it was healing. And then to know that you know there's ways to make a difference to help this not happen to somebody else, absolutely. Uh, there, there wasn't even a, a choice to make. I was, I was ready to help make a difference. Yeah, I think my story is, is a little bit different. I, I came to conversion therapy when I was older, I think, than you were, Adam, right? You were underage, I think, and right? I was 18. Okay, so yeah. actually really not that much younger. So I was 19 mm -hmm. when I went through it. Um, so I came through I came through it when I was in college. I came from a very fundamentalist Christian family, um, Christian educated for 16 years. Um, and I, at, at that point in my life, I loved being a Christian, the r being a Christian and living the way that, um, you know, the, it was interpreted for me that Christians should live was incredibly important to me. My, my faith was very central to who I was. Um, and then when I got to college, I started to really figure out that I was not straight, <laughs> And at a Christian college, by the way. Um, and I was, of course, completely freaked out by that realization um, and, you know, desperate to, to rid myself of it, desperate to, to change myself. Um, and so I sought out 
um, the conversion therapy on my own, as opposed to, you know, a lot of the people that we advocate for are young kids that are being subjected to it involuntarily by their parents or by their pastors. Um, but I came to it, you know, voluntarily, I was desperate to, to be not queer. Um, and it was a bad time. It was a really bad time. Um, I went through two years of conversion therapy and then um, thought that I was, you know, cured or that I, I would be able to um, live the life of a straight person uh, so much so that I that I went through ex-gay programming after that, which is different than conversion therapy and taught in an ex-gay program. And so the turning point for me was uh, I, you, you know, it's different, like the lies that you tell yourself to try to be okay versus when you're trying to give that to someone else. And so I was in my second year of teaching in an XK program, and I had a 17 year old um, girl in my small group. And I remember having to like, it, it would come to the point in the program where I had to give her the talk of like, here are your choices for the rest of your life. You can choose to be in, in a relationship with a man and hopefully find one that you're really good friends with um, and that you would be able to be happy with, or you can choose to be celibate. And as I was saying those words, like I started to choke on them and I thought, oh, wait. <laughs> and now I had believed this. This is how I was walking through life at that point. Uh, believing that those were my choices, which is just depressing in itself, because um, I was still in my 20s, like my mid 20s. But when I was saying those to Ashley, her name um, is Ashley, I thought it was the beginning of the end for me. I, I thought this is not a, like this isn't right. There, nothing about this is right. She's 17 years old, like no way. Um, and, and so it took me years because I still had to come out. I had to grapple with my sexuality. Um, and then, you know, I met my, my now wife and we moved to Richmond. And I heard about um, APV, Alliance for Progressive Virginia, um, was looking for witnesses. And some, I used to write for Gay RBA. Um, and the editor said, hey, have you heard of this? Um, you, you should probably give them a call. And that's how I got into the advocacy. And this is probably a really good space to one of you guys can kind of talk about, you know, some of the maybe make the disclaimer so that folks understand, you know, we don't want to trigger anybody, but we also want folks to understand just how effective and just what's the word debilitating some of this process and some of the sharing can be for you all going through it then and reprocessing it now so that folks understand um, that there may be some pieces that will be missing and that's okay um, through that process. So, you know, going through conversion therapy in itself, it was a very, very seriously emotionally taxing process. Coming out of conversion therapy was a seriously emotionally taxing process. And you know, I want to make sure if anybody wants to discover our stories that they're able to do so in terms of, you know, what exactly happened, because sometimes just hearing that narrative, knowing that you are not alone makes a huge difference. I know it did for me. And so if anyone's interested in finding more about what I experienced in conversion therapy, there's a few different channels that you can do so. Um, if you're sitting with a cocktail, I would encourage you to check out Let's Get Drunk and Talk About It with Nate Peterson. Um, 
because that's how we met. Yeah, that is how we met. That's how we met. And, you know, let me tell you, as a conversion therapy survivor, talking about my experiences, (laughs) I got drunk and talked about it. So, you know, and it was lovely. (laughs) I would not take anything back. I regret nothing. Um, If you're looking for something to maybe further educate uh, people around you, my mother and I actually told our story on CBS Sunday morning. Um, That is, I want to say about a 14 minute long special. And it includes my story, my mom's story, as well as uh, the story of Alex Cooper, which was in a Lifetime movie. And then if you're looking for, you know, just that inspiration to help make a difference, my story, along with my mom's story, is also accessible on CT Survivors YouTube at their annual retreat. And so we're here to make sure that you as a listener know that you're not alone if you've experienced this. And we also want to make sure that we're able to have this conversation in a way that is inspiring. And, you know, I would encourage you, if you want to hear the details of our stories, that you go through uh, that route to find mine. And I'll turn it over to April to share um, where you can find more out about her because she's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my my stuff is kind of scattered all over the place because it's been a few years. Um, so I, my, I think your best guess for me would just be a Google search. Um, and my name is spelled A-P-R-Y-L. Um, and uh, April Prentice. I think that's probably your best bet. Um, I've definitely done a lot of interviews, uh, television and radio in the Richmond area. Um, and I wrote a series uh, about my XK experience on Gay RVA. Um, and I've also written for RVA Mag. So um, those are probably the, ble- the best places at this point to find my stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. That way, you know, uh, folks can take their time with it, sit with it, you know, process and go about um, learning your stories however they want to. Um, And we really want to focus on your advocacy, advocacy and, um, you know, kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for folks. Um, Because, you know, yes, there's a lot of doom and gloom involved in it, but there's also hope, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that. How did you get into advocacy? Where did you, where was the jumping off point? And, you know, what did it build up to for you? So I want to call it a couple heroes in this process, because the way that I found out I wasn't alone was after auditioning for The Voice, (laughs) that was a thing that happened. (laughs) Um, Ironically, I had lost a job that I had for a very long time. And I said, you know, I want to try something that I've never done before, which is try out for a singing show. Why not? You know, I've, I've won a karaoke competition here in the Central Virginia area. And I was like, let's, you know, let's just do uh, this thing. And to say that I did, I didn't make it, which is fine. But one of my favorite artists at the time was Troy Sivan and still is. And, you know, he was about to come out with a new album. So I did a Google search for him to figure out, you know, where can I find maybe some sound bites? Maybe, you know, he's uploaded the album on SoundCloud and haven't told anybody yet. Or, you know, maybe I could figure out uh, how to find more about him. And I saw that he was going to be in this movie. This, that movie was Boy Erased, which was based on Garrett Conley's experience. And on the way back, I ended up listening to the audiobook of Boy Erased. And I kept hearing more 
of these words that I connected with about, you know, being an ex-gay and same-sex attraction and all of these words that I just, I hadn't heard in a very long time. And it was so healing just to know somebody else knew those experiences. When I came back, I discovered this group, Equality Virginia, was fighting uh, to end conversion therapy for minors with this bill by Delegate Patrick Hope at the General Assembly um, a week after I came back into town. (laughs) And so I ended up testifying for the first time. They said no, like basically they passed the bill by indefinitely. And the way I kind of tell that story is the rest of what happened is just a temper tantrum from that moment. You know, I had shared my experiences and uh, the General Assembly wasn't listening. And I was like, oh, no, you go hear me. (laughs) So that's how I got into it. Yeah. So for me, it was, um, you know, I just, like I said earlier, so uh, the editor uh, at the time of Garvey said, Hey, these people are looking for witnesses. And he knew that I had been through it because I I had written about it. Um, And so I went, I I think the first time I testified was 2013. Um, So I think it was 2013, 14, 15. I can't remember if I testified in 2016 or not. It was, it's a, it was a rough time. Um, you're talking about uh, having to lay your soul, your soul absolutely bare about the most painful traumatic experience of your life, likely, and having people laugh at you, laugh in your face. And I'm talking about the, 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 our, our representatives literally laughing in your face, having, um, you know, people step up to the mic in front of you talking about how depraved gay people are, or, um, you know, how it was, we were trying to do the tyranny of the minority over the majority. I will never forget that from the traditional values coalition. Um, and it was, I'll tell you one thing, you know, we had great support. The Alliance for Progressive Virginia was incredibly great with getting me prepped and support supporting me all the way through it. And I did it for, for three years straight. And it was, um, it, it may be one of the hardest things that, that I've ever done. Right. But we knew uh, P- Patrick Hope was amazing. He was a really strong champion for us. Um, and he, we knew he was going to continue to push to, to move the needle forward. And then the national conversation started to change around it. Um, and so we knew we were going in the right direction, but those first couple of years, it was, it was, it was hard to find a lot of support in the, in the general assembly. It was mostly um, putting, putting the information, out there, watching them do shifty things to like move the committee meetings around at the last minute um, and, you know, pulling just weird tricks so that so that we wouldn't be heard. And then, of course, just full, you know, laughing in your in your face and completely dismissing you. And I think, you know, um, I think what people miss uh, when they do that about conversion therapy survivors are really just about any sexual um, minority or anybody from our, from our community is that it takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there knowing that you're going to be openly derided like that. Um, And I'm not saying, you know, Oh, look at me. Like I did something that took a lot of guts. I'm just saying, I think people miss that empathy and compassion point Um, that even if, if you disagree with what my experience was, what I'm advocating for the fact that I went through something that was that, devastating. Um, it was really, it was tough. 
uh, you, you, you do have to have a strong backbone and, and crucial support around you to be able to do this work, but it's worth it. Doing the work is worth it because we're trying to protect these kids. This bill is aimed at protecting those who are in a much more vulnerable state than I was emotionally, physically, and developmentally. Minors who are forced to undergo conversion therapy are being forced into a type of treatment that has been rejected as unsafe and unhealthy by virtually every respected mental health entity. And they are being forced to do it at an absolutely crucial time of their lives, a time when their identity as a whole is being formed and built, not just their sexual identity. This is not about what an adult may choose to do to address their own sexuality, and it's not about telling religious institutions what they can do. It's about protecting children from a medical intervention that has been proven to be harmful. No matter what you think, we think you're incredibly courageous to be able to deal with that, which is essentially like, you know, having spitballs thrown at you, as well as like every name in the book, like, it's so degrading. Um when you're just telling the truth, it really is truly courageous. So thank you uh, because you're not just, you know, fighting for adults, you're fighting for children. Like, let's, let's talk about that. Right. You're fighting for children. Right. Children who, who do not have a say, right? Literally children who are ready. If you're, if you're, if you're growing up in, in that faith tradition, specifically, you're taught that you're kind of born sinful and that there's something wrong with you from birth. So you're already kind of carrying that around with you. And, you know, you can do all kinds of debates about if that's healthy or not, you know, I'm not here to condemn Christianity as a whole. That's not where, it, that's not my jam. But, um, but I, I think what this does is it adds a completely different layer to that. And, all of conversion therapy and most ex-gay ministry, it really revolves around teaching you to hate yourself. That is the only way that you have a fighting chance to be, and I'm doing air quotes, although you guys won't be able to see me doing that, a fighting chance to be living in God's will is a complete denial of self, a complete um, hatred of the part of you that's very natural, that's you know, what, what we're born with. And so, um, it hinges on self-hatred and it's incredibly damaging. Like I can tell you, and I'm sure Adam could echo this as well. I, I was a pretty self-confident 19 year old going through uh, conversion therapy and it broke me in ways that I'm still recovering from decades later. Um, I almost didn't make it out of my encounter with conversion therapy and ex-gay ministries. So if you take that and you, and you think about a child who is still developing that sense of self and it's, you are wrong. What you feel is wrong. Um, what you know about yourself, you can't trust what you know about yourself. These are the ways that, that these are the most insidious ways that conversion therapy destroys lives. Um, and those kids don't have a choice about whether they're subjected to it or not. But when you add reparative therapy to that, you have a medical professional who's hanging a, a sign outside the door saying, I am credentialed, right? I am, I am a professional that can help you, and I am telling you that there's something deeply wrong with you. It is very true. Um, you know, another thing that's very toxic about conversion therapy is you can say something and then somebody who's practicing conversion therapy can say the same thing, but they'll use different words and take it to a completely different extreme. So an example of that, there's two examples here. So the first example is, you know, they will essentially work to help, air quotes, somebody 
change, another air quote, their orientation or identity. And uh, they won't call it conversion therapy. And those words will not be used. Survivors won't discover those words until doing their own research afterwards. And then the second way is, you know, let's say it's somebody who is gay. Um, if I am a man attracted to a man in conversion therapy, I'm not gay. I am struggling with same-sex attraction Broken. and therefore I am straight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are two ways, uh, you know, they seem like simple little tweaks to vocabulary, but you take that and you expand on that and try to live by that. You're essentially creating an identity out of something that doesn't exist. Oh, absolutely. And I would add to that. Another thing that, that they do is there is a total, like they, there, there's no entertaining of the fact that you are born the way you, the, the way you are like, literally that cannot be true in that whole pair in this whole paradigm. So they will, you will dig and dig and dig until you invent or until you think you've isolated a cause for why you have same sex attraction. And I'm telling you, I I have friends that I've worked with in advocacy who, um, you know, therapists just played with their minds enough to where they, they invented that their, that their uh, father had abused them and that never happened. Um, It, it's, it's, it's really, it's really crazy. And so there, there's, there's always a cause and they will not release you (laughs) until you can like figure out, figure out air quotes again what that cause is and the other thing is there is a complete denial that that healthy um other than heterosexual relationships exist so if you and adam is like nodding his head vigorously which you guys can't see when you're listening to this but there's a complete denial of it so it's this there's this conflation between um you know being gay and and finding a partner with you know rampant drugs and promiscuous sex and nobody is in a healthy same-sex relationship those do not exist which i can i'm here to tell you they absolutely do um and there are a lot of people and very healthy same-sex relationships that are loving it. Um, and But I did not believe that that was possible. And so because there is an isolate, there's a, there's a very, um, there's a very focused attempt at isolating, it's, it's like it, there is a, an element of brainwashing. It's just, it's, just, it's a vernacular, which is what Adam is alluding to. And it is, it's just like, there's a methodology to it. It's, you're just pounded and pounded until you kind of relent. And you're like, yes, um, you know, I, I, I have to be free of this. Behavioral yeah. psychology is what that is. Yes, it's, it that is, it's intense. Behavioral psychology. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what's interesting is you find the same uh, techniques being used by quote unquote ministries and actual licensed therapists. Mm-hmm. One of those two is regulated, but they're both doing essentially the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said that. Yeah. It's, those are the types of therapeutic um, processes that you would hear if you were going to a therapist or you were going to a clinician to work through a situation but instead of you know they these these conversion therapy programs have created uh gayness as a illness Mm -hmm. you're trying to be cured of absolutely 
And, and if, if you were going to, you know, a, a therapist who was operating in an ethical manner, they would let you lead that. Where, who do you think you are? Why do you think you are that way? Do you think that's okay? Is that something yeah. that works with, with you? Like what, what's the morality, right? So, but that's not how it works. The whole paradigm with conversion therapy, as big of air quotes as you can possibly imagine, um, is that there is no, there's no self-direction at all because they're trying to get you to abdicate that part of yourself. So it, it isn't, what do you think? It's, this is what you should think. And most of the time that message is, um, hate yourself, force yourself to change who you are at every level is not okay. And then if it's, if it's done in a religious context, which I want to be clear, it's not always done in a religious context, but if it's done in a religious context and you're still struggling with same sex attraction after you've been through the protocol, then the, then it becomes, well, you're not, you don't have enough faith or you haven't worked hard enough at this. And so there's a layer of guilt on top of it that is just incredibly, incredibly damaging. Yeah, it, it's it's very isolating. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to the Virginia Department of Health Professions because they have done a great job counteracting what we've been talking about, about this vocabulary manipulation. Uh, there's five different boards there, the boards of social work, counseling, psychology, medicine, and nursing, and all of which have defined conversion therapy in what's called a guidance document. And they've even explained what conversion therapy is and what conversion therapy is not. So I just wanna say real quick, if anyone listening to this is a minor or is aware of a minor who is going through these types of experiences, um, you can actually file a complaint against that licensed provider at the Department of Health Professions website, which is dhp.virginia.gov. I'm making sure that's the right website. Okay, it is. Yeah, it is. It's dhp.virginia.gov. And you can file a complaint. You can find their license number. Um, that's what this bill accomplished. We're really excited that that justice has come to Virginia. Um, and we became the 20th state to do that. You know, so mm -hmm. it's not all, it, uh, all of the environments where conversion therapy takes place, it does take place with adults, it does take place in religious settings, but it does hold those licensed professionals accountable if that's what they're choosing to do with their license. Right. And even before this legislation, which is what is really fascinating about this, and, and, you know, it goes into all kinds of ideological debates, which we don't have time to get into here, is that every major medical organization has said conversion therapy is bad. It is harmful. It is unethical to practice. And because of um, many, many different issues and political, you know, positionings, um, there continues to be this kind of major fight uh, by, by therapists to want to continue to practice it. Some therapists, obviously, they are not in the majority. Um, but it doesn't matter if they're in the majority because they still, what they're doing is very harmful. Um, but yes, it, it, you know, mostly through Adam's work here and in, in the work of Equality Virginia and Alliance for progressive values and born perfect, you know, we've, we've reached a point in um, our legislation where the, those youth, the youth are protected by licensed professionals, but it doesn't uh, keep this kind of therapy from happening in a church setting in a religious setting, only if that pastor is also a licensed professional. Um, and, and, you know, that's because freedom of religion and religious liberty and all of those things. So that's not what we're trying to infringe on there. But if you're going to hang out a shingle and say, I've got the 
answer and the medical professional that can help you become a healthy person, which is what they do. (laughs) Um, and they practice conversion therapy, then we're going to, we're going to make sure that they get nailed basically. (laughs) Oh yeah. These conferences will absolutely bring people out and be like, this person is a licensed doctor, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And yeah. Oh, all the time. So, mm mm-hmm. Those two hats don't change my face right now. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna puke. (laughs) Yep, those two hats do not change the outfit. I um, I imagine before we get into talking about the legislation, I imagine that once children and adults too realize, oh crap, like this is not good. That trusting reliable um, licensed therapists to help them out must be very difficult um you know oh yeah (laughs) very very difficult especially if they start using any of that vernacular if they I mean it is a visceral reaction to certain phrases um but yeah go ahead Adam Oh, I was just going to say a couple things here Mm -hmm. so first uh I think both April and I can Uh, attest to the fact that if you go through conversion therapy, uh, it's okay to get therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there is an innate distrust that uh, I had, I'm sure a lot of us had after going through this, that why would I put myself through more of this manipulation? But trust and believe what is done in conversion therapy is not what people are taught in school when they get the degree that brings them to the practice that they have. So, you know, as you find an affirming therapist, you can find one on psychologytoday.com. You can, you know, look through the different resources here in Virginia. Um, Some examples are Launchpad Counseling in Richmond, as well as um, in Virginia Beach, there is the LGBTQ, LGBT Life Center. And, you know, there's, all these resources around that are providing this affirmative mental health care. And it is absolutely okay to get that support. Um, There was a session for me where my therapist brought out two concentric circles, like a circle and then a circle inside of it. And we were just doing like an exercise. I went off because in, in uh, Exodus international where I went, there was this diagram of these two concentric circles where inside was like the gay identity and outside of that was the homosexual life and outside of that was same-sex attraction. And it was like, you were supposed to be on your journey towards the outermost circle. Mm -hmm. And when I saw those circles, I was like, oh no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not this time. But you know, my therapist was amazing in walking me through that trigger. Um, I still do have triggers. I work through them, Mm -hmm. you know, recovering doesn't necessarily mean you don't have triggers anymore. It means when they happen, you know, you have a plan. Right. And, and you have coping skills that by the way, you get through going to through therapy, right? Therapy, that's good quality, ethical therapy, that that's where it can be incredibly helpful to learn to live with uh, the trauma, you know, the religious trauma, the trauma of conversion therapy. Um, But absolutely, I mean, there's, there's, there will be an innate distrust of, um, of therapy there, but don't let that stop you um, from seeking that help, because there is good quality help out there um, for you, if you if you've experienced this. That's so important to say. Oh, yes, Adam, you got something else? Yes, because this is very important and took me a very long time to learn. Y'all are airing this on Pride Month, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. 
if you are a survivor, you get to have Pride Month too, right? Like you get to experience the absence of that shame that we were taught our whole life. You get to rest in who you are and celebrate that. And the people around you are here to celebrate who you are as well. And you get to benefit from that as well. So please don't sell yourself short. You know, if you want to go to a Pride event, go. If you need a supportive friend to go with you, absolutely. You know, let them know, drag them along. And, you know, if you want to go to a drag brunch, if you want to go to a bar, if you want to go to a festival, you know, make sure you're masked up and vaccinated, but, you know, that's not a thing. But, you know, <laughs> make sure you're able to celebrate who you are because you deserve that. It took me a long time to realize that. So I just want to share that nugget of advice. And celebrate it and celebrate it um, proudly and with joy. And there's so much about that, that whole process that, that seeks to, to take your joy away. Um, but celebrating, you know, with joy who you are and who you're becoming, I think is incredibly important. Yes. Yes. Learning to love yourself and surrounding yourself with a chosen family that loves you back. Yeah. Super important. Um, we friend, all need that. We all need, especially now, Lord. <laughs> Mercy. So um, I was wondering, you mentioned the legislation. Uh, so things have been a little uh, more friendly to you in the GA as of late. Let's talk about that a little bit. What do we have going on there? Little victories? Yes. So what I will tell you is in 2019, am I right on that year, April, when it flipped? I think so, yes. Yes, mm -hmm. I, be yeah, I believe it was 2000, yes it was, because the bill went through in 2020. So 2018, the bill failed to uh, protect minors from conversion therapy. 2019, we had a general assembly election and uh, this is how important one vote matters. Uh, the Senate had a one seat advantage because of that. The Democratic Party had the majority in the Senate and the House of Delegates. And so there were a lot of progressive pieces of legislation that went through in 2020 and in 2021. Equality Virginia just had their annual dinner and went through the list of legislation and it took them about five minutes to get through everything because if I'm not mistaken, I think Equality Virginia as an organization was formed to end uh, discrimination for the LGBT community and that went through last year. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, our bill to protect minors from conversion therapy also went through and we got some bipartisan votes in there, which was a mm -hmm. huge win. And at that point, my mom actually started telling her part of the story with me. And, you know, the way I tell it, I can go in, I can move a room, but my mom can bring some tears. I have talked in front of boards and every time at the end, I would say, I only wish other parents were standing here beside me because I guarantee for every conversion therapy survivor, there are parents also that are that are hurting. So it really made a huge difference when she entered the conversation. And I just want to shout out another hero, Scott Price of Alliance for Progressive Virginia. Yes. He is a phenomenal human that I think both April and I have had the pleasure of advocating with. 
Absolutely. He, he really started to, to form this fight before it was popular in any way. He, he did it knowing that we were going to be, it was going to be an uphill battle and that there were going to be more losses than wins. Um, but he, you know, he, he was tireless. Um, and advocating to get um, uh, to get Delegate Hope on board, and then Senator Eben. Um, yeah, he he definitely deserves a shout out. Scott Price for uh, Alliance for Progressive Virginia. And I believe he wrote the bill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's an amazing human. Yes, that's incredible work, and uh, thank goodness because really protecting children uh, from just the mind. You know, uh, <laughs> that is, I mean, and that's just putting it mildly. So really, uh, kudos I to think mind free is a good way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fortunately, <laughs> it's making me cuss. Like, <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly what it is. And again, when you think about children being subjected to that, it's just, you know, when they don't have the agency or know that they have the agency to, to know themselves and be themselves. It's that's, you know, that's why we've fought so hard. And I, I think it's also important that we say, you know, when, you know, conversion therapy works to create the narrative that you were born correct. And this thing, right. Is, is not okay. It's not right. It needs to be, you know, ejected, pulled away, um, reduced. Right. And so, you're born just perfectly fine and then you go through or you're, or you're subject subjected or forced into or choose right to put yourself through or go through this therapy that hinges on all of these tactics and things that are literally damaging to your mental health and you were didn't have these issues before so conversion therapy literally can create a, a, a issue for, for so many people. And then they don't realize coming through that process until they have that awakening moment, like you talked about, Adam, um, and, yeah. and you, April, that, wait, I was fine to begin with. Now I've, th this process that somebody told me or somebody forced me to go through that was going to fix me has actually broken me. Mm -hmm. How yeah. do I unbroke myself now? Now I actually have a brokenness that I need to fix. What does that look like for, for our listeners that might be looking for a place to start? Where do they go for that? Where, where should they start looking for support or, or any of that? What happens um, in that process? Because that's a very um, volatile, also, um, just um, temporal, delicate space. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Man, sorry, real quick. Even just saying therapy in relationship to what we're talking about makes me want to gag, like really hardcore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, being, yeah. A, being a psychology, having a psychology background, it's like, it's, I don't even know what the right, it's, that's why I'm having a loss for words because I want to like Earl because. This is not what <laughs> that practice is supposed to do, right? So the fact that this has been created in a way to fix something, help people discover 
the solutions for themselves and you're literally creating a, a, a dissonance between this person and their health is mind boggling to me. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's sickening. So I absolutely agree. And, you know, there is an alternative, there's a couple alternative forms of uh, the word conversion therapy. So um, some people will call it sexual orientation change efforts. Um, I helped advocate in um, in a space in Canada where they actually refer to it as sexual orientation or gender identity and expression change efforts or SOGIs. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, but conversion therapy. My brain just exploded all over the back of my car. So, no, I get it. And, you know, there is something powerful in being able to name something, right? To be able to say what I went through was this. And a term that's been used a little bit more now is conversion therapy practices. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a therapy practice. It may not be actual therapy, but it's, you know, a therapy-like practice. It's not even really therapy-like, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, to there, answer your, oh, go oh, ahead. No. I'm sorry. I was going to say the <laughs> other term, like the OG term is reparative therapy, oh. like therapy to repair yeah. you, reparative therapy. That's oh, what yeah. it was called. Oh my that's God. What, that's, <laughs> that's what it was called when I was going through it was reparative oh. therapy. Yeah, absolutely. That one's the worst, I think. on several different levels, but, you know, even, you know, conversion, repair, all of that, it's just so, um, it's, it's a rhetoric, it's rhetorical, right? So it's there on purpose. Everything about this type of, of practice is very, there's, there's so much rhetoric at play, um, in, in trying to get you to believe in it enough to be able to give up that part of yourself or to, to get you to hate that part of yourself. It's, it is a full out, persuasive effort um it's crazy so yeah adam go ahead oh no horses for some light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) so where to start so the first thing name it if you had somebody try to take away your gender identity expression or your orientation name it as a conversion therapy practice know that you're not alone so there's a few different places to start so uh ctsurvivors.org has some events that you can attend as a survivor. I myself help lead what's called a financial health discussion. So we as survivors, we talk about our relationship with money. Um, There's a bunch of different little Facebook groups as well that you can join um, as a survivor to connect with other people like yourself. Um, I also have a little group here in Richmond called Love Actually One. Um, And if you're interested in advocating, um, I would actually recommend Uh, talking to some of these uh, individuals in these survivor spaces to figure out like who you can connect with. And the reason I say to do that is because it's important to know that what we experience is part of a bigger picture, right? And as we're able to, you know, figure out how we can make a difference, um, there's so many different areas that we can help in and we can help you as a survivor. But It's also important that you have a close relationship with the people closest around you that you can trust who are not survivors, because you want to make sure that all of your safe spaces are not also trauma bonds. Um, And that's very important. You know, so it's 
There's a bunch of safe spaces if you visit places like Side by Side uh, for LGBTQ youth. Diversity Richmond holds a lot of great events, as well as just a um, <clears throat> a plethora of drag brunches and different gay bars that are truly a safe space. I know it took me a long time before I felt comfortable going into a gay bar because of the stigma that conversion therapy puts around uh, these spaces. There's also a sports league called Stonewall Sports RVA that you can join if you're interested in some social sports. Um, it, you don't have to be super athletic. I am not super athletic, but they do have like a summer bar sport league, I think called the Remix League. So there's a lot of different options for you to test the waters of finding a community. Um, but yeah, my most important thing that I would say to another survivor is, you know, know that you're not alone, but also trust the people that you have around you um, if they've established it as a safe space, as a safe space for you. I, I, that was great, Adam. I would just add to to it, and which you talked touched on briefly, but connection is really the name of the game because uh, it works. Uh, you know that this uh, practice works to isolate, um, and it's most effective in isolation. So connecting with people who have been through it, people who um, have fought against it, um, but also just but being willing to um, and open to connecting to people who can be rocks for you and, and walk through your healing process with you. It's incredibly, incredibly important to make sure that you have a solid support um, foundation. And, and the, these supports are out there for you. They're definitely out there. Um, and Adam just gave you a great list to start with. And books. There's a lot of books of different stories. If you want to discover stories like your own, my friend Jared Dixon wrote a novel called Corrupted. There's also Boy Erased. There's movies like The Miseducation of Cameron Post. And coming soon to Netflix is Pray Away, which is a documentary about uh, some different experiences in conversion therapy. So there is plenty of media as well to discover, you know, stories like your own. We're in our last few minutes here. And this has been absolutely enlightening and wonderful. I'm so excited that uh, we had you both on as guests yes. to kick off our, our Pride Month shows. This is just incredible of you to do this. Is there anything in our last few minutes that we didn't cover that you want to shout out that you want to get out there? And also if people want to connect with you, like on social media or whatever, how can they do that? So uh, you can find me on Facebook, Adam Tremor, uh, Twitter at Adam underscore Tremor 89. Um, if you want to follow or like CT survivors, it's on Facebook. It's at CT survivors. Um, if you're interested in the campaign that I was volunteering with born perfect, bornperfect.org. If you are interested in uh, connecting to some locals as a survivor, follow our page at Love Actually One. Um, you can find me on Facebook too, April Prentice. Um, and then my I'm on Instagram as well at Rightling Dropout. And both of us will attest, please follow, like, and if you can, donate to Alliance for Progressive Virginia because they are amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we just thank you both so much for joining us yeah. today. Uh, fabulous conversation. I can't wait to air it. Really excited. Fran, do you have any, any last words for us today? I think we've said a mouthful and I'm excited for um, the sharing of this conversation because it's so important um, and there are just not enough mics to pass around to have this um, out there and talked about. So thank you both for coming. 
as always, Richmond, but still has dirty water. So does New Jersey. And I heard that Petersburg does too. So we might want to check on ours too. Mm-hmm. RPS was fully funded last year and we're going to need that times a trillion to make this thing work, to get our kids back to school and get them in there safe. And I know it, you know it, we all know it together. Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. I'll see you next week. Gotta be-